hello, hello. Okay, good, it's working. Great. You, you guys, you never know. You never know when things are working here on the New York Mystery Machine. Uh, welcome <laughs> to the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. But for the ghosts. We are, a couple weeks ago, we said that we tried recording remotely and it didn't work. So we thought, you know what we should do today? Try it again. Yeah, we should. Um, last time's week, a charm. Second time's a charm. Last week, um, we had technical difficulties, so we couldn't get an episode out. This week, we had locational difficulties, so instead of not getting an episode out, we try in the old Zoom recording again. Um, in the future, I think we're going to upgrade some of our equipment so that Christina has a better remote situation. Yeah. But um, for now, she has a headset. It is a, a gamer's. It's a gamer's headset. Thanks, Ed Harley. (laughs) So it's doing the job. It may not sound as crisp as mine, but it's doing the job it needs to do. Before we started the pod, um, my sound wasn't working, and that was giving me a lot of... It was an exciting moment. It was an exciting moment. Yeah, because, you know, this is all new stuff. So when things don't work, it's really not great. But here we are, um, back on the pod. You guys guys know that... So we had merchandise out for a second. Oh, God. Talk about difficulties. And... So what had happened was this, you guys. Merchandise was up. It's a site that I like. It's it's not the... Ooh, I have a little echo in this room. I'm also in a different room recording, so the internet has to be better. Um, so the the um, merch went up, and it's... To find the quality that we found in the old company was really hard. Um, so I found a place that was affordable for us, that didn't make us pay any fees. Because a lot of other places, you need to pay a, a fee per item that you list. And we wanted to list a lot of items. Mm-hmm. This website that we use, Spreadshirt, um, didn't have that as, a, as an issue. So we went with them. And some of the merchandise is good. And some of the merchandise had some quality issues. And mm-hmm. I didn't want quality issues. So I took everything down while I troubleshooted things. Apparently, for what it looks like to me... The only trouble, the only quality issue that we're having is on the Ouija board tee. The, our logo is tiny and their printers have a hard time printing out the exquisiteness of that logo. <laughs> so it comes out blurry. Yeah. Um, good friend of the show, patron and friend in life, Christian Lee Branch, sent me photos of his merch that he bought today, uh, this week. And... He bought the tote bag with the list on it with mm-hmm. our regular logo and he bought a Ouija board uh, mug and the tote was perfect. Like the quality looks nice. It looks clear. Um, the mug, everything looks great except for the logo. Sam also bought a Ouija board uh, crop top tee. Same situation. Everything looks great except for the logo. So I'm going to probably put everything back up again. Mm-hmm. I may take the Ouija board stuff down for a second while I try to... Um, adjust the logo to get a better quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm going to try my darndest. I was going to say, how do you um, do that? Um, I'm going to have to like basically enlarge in the entire thing mm. and or just find a way to enlarge in our logo just a little bit more. I don't know mm-hmm. what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, truth be told, there's other printers I'd love to, to work with, but it's going to cost us a lot more money to list every one of our yeah. items. And I don't know if that's fruitful for the show because I think the best part about the show is we have so much variety in our in our stuff. So yeah. I'm working on it. Um, by the time this comes out on, on you know, Monday, we're recording on Friday. Um, hopefully I've settled it. I figured it out. Um, 
But I think I'm going to put everything else up because that all looked fine. Yeah. It's just okay. the one I'm the one we're most excited about <laughs> is causing the issues. Um, I'm gonna say I'm sad that of all of them. That's I that will one. say we we have the stickers. Stickers are available, um, and the logo is pretty clear on that. So, um, but it is so tiny and so intricate. I do understand why yeah. it's hard. So, um, if you want a sticker, those are available. Uh, just a general thing here. General if thing. I general thing here. If I owe you a sticker. Can you do me the biggest solid? Can you email nymysterymachine at gmail.com and say, Adam, you owe me a sticker, and then send me your address in that email, and I will send you that all the stickers that I owe you. I know Christmas happened. My surgery happened. I got really thrown off on a lot of things, and I just can't keep track of the things I owe people. I owe people, like, T-shirts that, that they won in a contest. Like, I owe so many things, you guys, and it's just... The New York Mystery Machine is a two-person operation by two people who don't do this as their full-time job. Um, so please, 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 except for the T-shirt people. I know who you are. I know I owe you T-shirts. I will get you those out in the mail this week. But if I owe you a sticker from either being a patron, from a review, from just me saying thanks, we're going to send you a sticker. Please, 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 the, in, to, to, tr to, to streamline it all, if you can email me, nymysterymachine at gmail.com with your... Mailing address. I will send you the whole suite of stickers, our three stickers. I will send you our logo. I'll send you our pride one. I'll send you our Ouija board. Just send me your address. I will send my apologies. And I will. I got nothing else. So please. Thank you. If you want stickers, you know what to do. You, you email me. <laughs> you <now>. email. <laughs> and um, you can also get some stuff for free by joining our Patreon. That's and uh patreon.com slash NY mystery machine um we're grateful for all the folks who have signed up for that um for the last three dollars you uh join the community for as little as five dollars you get a new episode every month there wasn't a new episode in january but there will be one in february coming at the end of the month um so there's only one month we've missed thankfully um but i knew that was going to happen i told you about that because nose surgery and stuff but that'll come right. at the end of the month uh, we're gonna be recording that episode in our next session so that was a lot. I'm so sorry. We had a we had a catch up on we all the biz. We had some some housekeeping to do. So housekeeping, you guys. You know, we do our darndest. What are we, we doing today, our... Adam? Today, Christina, hmm. we have an odd one. Oh, but then but then again, most of the missing persons cases that we cover on this show are indeed odd ones. Ooh, missing persons. It's a missing person. I know. Last week or two weeks ago, we did a missing painting. The Dali. <laughs> and if you miss a Dali one, be sure to check it out. It's a fun doozy of an episode. We certainly didn't record it twice mm -mm 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 -mm. because of technical difficulties. <laughs> um, but it was like it was like it was fresh because Adam oh, I didn't pay didn't hear, I didn't pay attention like... the first time. <laughs> I was so the first time we recorded the Dali episode, I literally was um so my internet wasn't working, Christine's internet wasn't working, the sound wasn't working, and I did so like when we recorded it live like a week later. It's like a whole new story. I was like, I don't remember any of this. I'm like, oh, because I wasn't paying attention to any of it. Missing person case today takes us to Poughkeepsie, New York. Ooh. Uh, Poughkeepsie is in the Hudson River Valley region of New York. It's midway between uh, New York metropolitan area and Albany. It's where the Dermond it, family was murdered. It is indeed where the Dermond family was murdered and people ate Thanksgiving dinner. Yep. How dare you? Um... Poughkeepsie is the principal city of Poughkeepsie, Newburgh, Middleton, metropolitan, metropolitan area, and it's often been called the Queen City of the Hudson. 
Side note, if I was a professional wrestler and I was from Poughkeepsie, I'd want to be announced as hailing from the Queen City of the Hudson, Poughkeepsie, New York. 100%. What a great intro that'd be. That's an excellent hailing intro. Hailing from the Queen City of the Hudson, Poughkeepsie, New York. <laughs> Queen City of the Hudson, that's a great nickname. Um, And they have to say of the Hudson because the Queen City is Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it? North I did not know that. The Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina. But I think a lot of c- cities and states have like, I think a lot of cities have like also claimed that title, like doubled up on titles. I think like there's a couple of electric cities, right? Mm-hmm. I think like like Quincy's the gem city, but certainly there's another gem city, but maybe there isn't. Couldn't begin to tell you. Like the electric city, I think is Birmingham, but there's also electric city. I think in like. Louisiana. I don't know. I could be wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. You guys often do. Um, anywho, we're in Poughkeepsie, the queen city of the Hudson. Today we're on the search for Anthony Urcioli. Um, Anthony went by the nickname of Tony, so that's how I'm going to address him for this episode because his father's name is also Anthony. Mm. So to separate, I will call our missing person Tony, which is what he went by, and his father, uh, his Anthony. Um. Tony was 31 years old at the time of his disappearance. He was living with his parents, Anthony and Sandra Urcioli, and worked as a waiter at the Duchess Diner in Poughkeepsie. Tony had a pretty big family and was quite well known in the area. Um, His family was well known as well. Uh, Now, many times in missing person cases, our victim doesn't have many people in their lives nearby. Um... We often find that, like, well, who knew this person? Or were their friends? Or, like, they were away? Or they were away at college? Or all these different things. Um, that's not the case in this one. Um, mm. Tony is pretty well known. His family is pretty well known. They're kind of fixtures in Poughkeepsie. Now, Tony, did, Tony didn't just live with his folks for convenience. He was actually very close to them. He was spending a lot of his downtime with them. Um, however, the majority of his time was spent at work at the diner. He'd often work seven days a week just to help cover open shifts there. Wow. Yeah. In addition to his large family, Tony also had a pretty substantial friend group. He and his buddies would often head head over to Sharks, a pool hall in nearby Fishkill, New York, uh, where they would spend their evenings playing pool. Billiards, if you will. Billiards. The billiard room. The billiard. I never understood the the difference between, I I guess they're the same thing. Are they? Why? Pool is and billiards? Fan- is it just the fancy way of saying it? I think. I feel that it's just, it's all the, it, that's all the same. Billiard but. versus pool. Oh, we're looking it up live. Live on the show, kids. What's the difference? Billiards is played on a table without pockets. Mm. So do you just bounce it off the wall? Uh, the game so only not, has three balls. So it's balls. not the same thing. No. So it's not the same thing. Look, we learned something today. I wow. learned something. Well, there you have it. There you go. All this is to say that for Tony to go missing, it was a big deal and struck a lot of people quite hard. So on Wednesday, January 24th, 2001, Tony told his parents he was going to meet up with some friends to play pool and that he'd be back in a few hours. Now, this was nothing out of the ordinary. As I said before, he and his buddies were regulars at the pool hall, so... At around 11.30 p.m., he headed out the door. But strangely, when Anthony and Sandra woke up the next morning on Thursday, Tony wasn't home yet. In fact, Tony never came home and was never seen again. Gosh. 
Tony's parents assumed that perhaps Tony had stayed out with some friends. Maybe he met someone special for the evening. After all, he's a 31-year-old man. It's absolutely normal to go out, meet someone, and spend the night with them. Yeah. So they decided to give the full day, but Tony never came back. He also didn't call the house. Now, it's worth noting. It's worth noting. We're in 2001, and not everyone Hmm. has a cell phone, including Tony, who also doesn't have a cell phone. In fact, Did you have a cell phone in 2001? I had a cell phone in the fall of 2001. was okay. my first cell phone. At this time, I think I mentioned it later in the story, at this time I had a beeper. I had the last wave. Oh, man. Beepers. Last wave of the beeper. Do you know who else had a beeper? Who else had a beeper? Tony. Oh. In fact, it was after an unknown person had paged Tony that he made that decision to go out for the night. Now, I know... the. Unknown person sounds quite ominous. Yeah. But in this case, it really just means that his parents had no idea who paged him. Oh, okay. Could have been a friend, but at the same time, it also could not have been. So it's half a non, half ominous. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's, it's a bit ominous. It's half. It's ominous-ish. Ominous-ish. <laughs> it's ominous-ish. That's a good t-shirt. That's it. Where, where will it go? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> TBD. <laughs> it's ominous-ish. We really don't know... Who pages Tony? During the day he's missing, his parents page him a couple of times, and that was really all they could do. But there was no response, no word from Tony at all, not a call or anything. Now, we remember missing person policies are quite dumb and kind of incorrect. Many people say you need to wait at least 24 to 48 hours before reporting a missing person, and that's just not the truth. Mm. In fact, if you think someone's missing, you should report it ASAP. As many police agencies have confirmed, the first 48 hours is actually the most crucial period in any missing person's case. So if someone is missing, don't wait. Just report them missing. Worst case scenario, you found them and it was a false alarm, but report them missing if you think that something is weird. And most of the time when someone's missing, you know it's weird. Mm-hmm. Because we all have these patterns and stuff, right? We all fall into these patterns of behavior. And for someone to just up and go missing out of nowhere is kind of crazy. So Anthony and Sandra didn't wait 24 hours. They called the Poughkeepsie Police Department at 5.30 p.m. on Thursday and reported him missing. Good on them. Tony's family and friends immediately started searching the area for any sign of him or his gray Nissan Maxima the car he drove and that's the car he left his house with that night now again he had a lot of family and a lot of friends so the search was pretty vast people were trying to cover every place that tony could have possibly been even places he probably wouldn't have been but like at this point when you don't know what someone is you're going to check every nook and cranny at around midnight the same day well midnight from thursday to going to friday tony's uncle found tony's maxima parked on wilbur boulevard near poughkeepsie spratt park Now, the vehicle was locked, and Tony's wallet was found inside. But Mm. there were no signs of struggle in or around the car. Interesting. Yeah. The Poughkeepsie Police Department would make their way to the car, and they also noted that there seemed to be no struggle. There was no visible damage on the car. The windows were intact. The doors weren't damaged at all. And it's just parked in, like, the, the park? Just parked next to the park. Okay. Interesting. Um, Detective John Wagner of the Poughkeepsie Police Department brought up the possibility that Tony had perhaps gotten into a car with someone else on the night he went missing. Wagner noted, quote, the car was locked as though Tony put it there and went with someone, but we don't know that for certain. 
weird to get in someone else's car without your wallet or whatever. Yeah, like, is it immediately, like, there's a bunch of, like, immediately there's a bunch of theories, right, you can start to make about the situation. You you have to go in someone's car. Do you leave your wallet there purposely? Do you forget Mm -hmm. your wallet? Mm -hmm. There's so many, yeah, the wallet of it all sounds really interesting because, you know, folks need need a wallet. Has a lot of stuff in there. Police would use canine units to search the area surrounding where the car was abandoned, but they found no clues to. Sorry, they found no clues to Tony's whereabouts. There was no solid evidence of anything really. Certainly no foul play. Investigators couldn't rule out the possibility that Tony had perhaps voluntarily disappeared. But this troubled Tony's families and friends immensely because it didn't make any sense to them. They just couldn't fathom why he would up and leave without any word. Right. Tony's father was very passionate about this, about this not being the matter of his son, just leaving his life behind. Anthony, his father was certain that there had to be foul play. There's just no way his son would just up and leave. It just didn't make any sense. His uh, Tony had vanished just a few days before his mother's birthday. And his Mm -hmm. father's birthday was the following week. Not only would that be out of character to miss these events, uh, Anthony said that Tony had made plans to celebrate with both of them. Okay, so there so was weird. plans being made. Um, it wasn't nothing felt like this person's going to leave their life mm-hmm. in a few days. Um, in addition, Anthony said that um, the family had a trip planned to Las Vegas, uh, where and that trip Tony had been looking forward to for a while. Many of Tony friend, Tony's friends who police spoke to also confirmed how much Tony was looking forward to this trip to Las Vegas with his family. So I it mean, just I guess if you're going to disappear yourself, you're also going to make it seem like you are looking forward to things. So I could see the logic of being like, ah, that's what you do if you're trying to run off. But it's still weird. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it, it's a weird... So far, this case, you know, this case may be one of the more weird missing persons cases that we've covered um, because it just feels the the circumstances just feel very strange. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what motivates him leaving his car, where Mm -hmm. he leaves it, you know, any of it, really. Yeah. Detectives would interview Tony's family members, his friends, his coworkers from the diner. And none of them were able to provide any clues about what had might what might have happened to him. Poughkeepsie police detective Michael O'Dell noted, quote, everyone said he never gave anyone problems. By all accounts, he was a hard worker, a responsible worker. His mother, Sandra, told reporters that she and Tony always had a great relationship. She further said that if he had been having any problems with life, he would have said something to them. He wasn't the type of person who would just vanish without telling anyone. Hmm. He also had a pretty good relationship with his father. Um, They all seemed to be quite happy given the living arrangements as well. It wasn't, you know, a matter of just convenience. He enjoyed living with his parents. They enjoyed having him there. Mm -hmm. For all intents and purposes, seemed like a really happy, healthy family dynamic. But we know in all these cases that, you know, looks are deceiving. But according to the family, that's the case. So the next step in the investigation was combing through every single inch of Tony's life. Mm. Detectives interviewed everyone Tony had been associated with for the past decade. Oh, wow. If you you worked with Tony, if you had a beer with Tony, heck, if you were walking your dog and said hello to Tony, police called you in for questioning. Like, 
you were brought in. In addition, they meticulously went through Tony's bank and phone records and checked for activity on his credit cards. Now, phone records were a bit difficult as they were included on the family's landline. So mm-hmm. you're combing through the entire family's phone records, mm-hmm. which must have been a pain in the ass for like his family to be like, no, Everyone. that's us, that's us, that's yeah. us. Nope, that's, no, that's us. Not, I don't know yet. And after credit cards, all activity stopped on the night he went missing, which again is something very common in missing persons cases, especially whether or not people are like up in like leaving their life or something actually happens to them. Most of the time in these cases where people do leave their lives, mm-hmm. um, we are finding out that they don't use those credit cards because they know that once they use those credit cards, it's trackable and people can start to find you and you're no longer missing. Right. Um, there was no <laughs> longer foul play. It defeats a purpose. After many, many interviews, they found nothing in Tony's past to help explain his disappearance. He has no issues with anyone. There was no quarrels. Didn't seem to owe anyone money. Didn't seem to be involved the wrong group of people. There was no connective tissue to show why Tony would go missing all of a sudden. So in an effort to break some sort, in an effort to find some kind of break in this case, the detectives reassessed the events of the evening that Tony went missing. According to Tony's parents, he had gotten home from work around 9.30 p.m. from the diner on Wednesday night and hadn't mentioned plans to go anywhere. But about around 11 p.m., he receives a page from someone. He then gets changed, and he says he's going out to play pool. That's the last time anyone sees him. Now, investigators were unable to find any record of him getting a page. Oh. Now, I don't, I don't believe there was any paper trail for pagers. I'm not sure. Pagers went through a lot of different, you know, periods. Early pagers were just like little buttons, little devices that beeped and... A lot of shady people used pagers and beepers because they were untraceable. Sometimes you, you can't call the number back. Sometimes you can just leave a message, like like some sort of text message uh, in numbers and not actually know who actually called you. So by paper trail, I mean, I don't believe there's a phone bill. Um, I don't think you saw every number that paid you on a monthly statement. I could be wrong. Like I said, I had a pager in two thousand in early two thousand one before getting my first cell phone in that fall of that year. And you don't remember every part of that experience? The only thing I remember is that mine was one of the last versions of the beeper that pager that came with a voicemail system. Mm. So people would beat me but also leave a voicemail and then I would call the voicemail service and hear my voicemail. This is bringing back so many memories of getting in <laughs> touch with my dad. Like like the vaguely remember like typing in certain things to like leave a certain mess like to like tell him that he has to call back or like it's not an emergency or like like it's just i don't remember much it's jogging certain things yeah i might from what i remember at a blue at a blue pager it was blue um and you called it and your choices were just to let it send let it beep through to show your number or to leave a voicemail. Mm. Like that was your choices if you call my beep my, my beeper, my pager. You call and be like, You've reached the, the, the pager of, you know, Adam, you know. For to leave a to leave a page, press this, or to leave a voicemail, press this. And you could leave a voicemail. And so um I got a I literally I got a I got a I got that beeper while my brother and my mom got their first cell phones 
And for some reason, I was not, you know, it was 2000 and I was still in eighth grade, I think. So I couldn't get my cell phone yet. And then when I went to high school that fall, that's when I got my cell phone. So like I had a pager for roughly six months. The most useful, useless device in the history of devices. Because <laughs> once cell phones existed, like my mom was like, well, this is stupid. We should get you a cell phone. <laughs> like, this is not helpful at all. That's amazing, though. Oh, and you know what? It wasn't my first. It wasn't my first year. I, I think I had that pager throughout my entire freshman year of high school. Because hmm. 2001, I know I had a, my first cell phone in 2001. Yes, I know I had my first cell phone in 2001, and 2001, I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm aging myself on the show, Kitty. Um, <laughs> I had a pay, be, and, and truth be told, I wish I didn't have to say this, but I know I had a cell phone because September 2001, I had a cell phone. Right. That's how I know. Because September 2001, um, I had like tried to, I had to call my mom on my cell phone, and that guy had my cell phone. And like, we weren't allowed to have cell phones in schools, but like all of our teachers knew we had them, and they were like, if you have a cell phone, and you need to call someone, let them know, call someone. Like, right. That was the first time school was like, no, 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 you go to your locker, you can take grab out your, your cell phone, <laughs> and check in with your parents. And let your parents know that you're getting dismissed here, there, whatever, and mm-hmm. all those things. Anywho. That was <sighs> An important one, though. Old, old technology is important because old technology is really important in these missing persons cases. If they exactly. had a cell phone, it would be a totally different story. But he doesn't have a cell phone. He has a pager. Got a pager. And, we and we can't track it. There aren't too many details on the pager itself other than the fact that the police have no evidence of him receiving a page. He may have received a page. We just don't know. He told his parents he did, and they took that word. And with that, it's unclear who Tony had planned to meet. Now, here is the strangest part of this entire case. Tony tells his parents he's going to play pool, meaning he was heading to his regular spot at Sharks. Mm -hmm. However, no one at Sharks could recall seeing Tony at the pool hall that night. Mm Mm-hmm. Tony was well-known. Mm-hmm. He'd go there often. He was a mainstay there. For no one on staff or other regulars to spot him, being there is a weird thing. It's almost safe to assume he doesn't get to sharks. Right, no. He doesn't go to sharks. Now, whether he's planning on going to sharks or not going to sharks, I don't think he gets there. Mm-hmm. No one there sees him. He's a regular. He's always there. For no one on staff to be... like. It's just like as if if you had like a place that you go to so often. Right. Clearly the staff knows you. I have a bunch of coffee places and the staff knows me by face at least. And then when they hear my name, like, oh, yes, your name's Adam. Right. It's a coffee place I love going to a couple of blocks away. And every time they go, like, oh, hey, Adam. Yeah, Adam. You know, there's a little little, like diner place I love going to have breakfast every now and then. And all the all the. All the Hispanic ladies there who work there adore me. They, they take care of me so well. They're my girls. They take care of me. They do everything they can for me. And like if someone came in and they're like, hey, did Adam come in today? They would know mm-hmm. because they know me. Right. And so I just think to go someplace where you're known so well and for them to be like, yeah, no, I haven't seen him at all. Never saw, yeah. I don't think he gets to sharks. I agree. And another thing worth noting. It's worth noting. We have heard so much about Tony's popularity. He had many friends. But it seems that all of his friends are interviewed. If that's the case, who's he with? with? Who paged him? Was he paged? What happened to Tony that evening? We're going to dive more into this, try to find some more answers, try to patch together some sense of a story and find out what the family 
was doing, has been doing, and continues to do in order to kind of find Tony. We'll be back after this commercial break. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. All right, we're back. Tony's it's 2001. It's 2001. We've got pagers. We have pagers. Not everyone has cell phones. Thank God for the cell phone. It really, it's a game changer. Game changer. I mean, you think about all the cases that we study pre-modern technology and cell phones and just how like important (laughs) that device is. Well, pick your favorite pre-cell phone movie and then just insert a cell phone mentally. Oh my God. And the whole movie is over. Home Alone's (laughs) over. Home Alone, Home Alone literally is over. Home Alone it's started. All the they, they got on the phone. They got on the plane. <laughs> they landed in Paris, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh shit! We should call. We should call the. We should call the. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should call his cell phone because the powerless. The phones are all wonky because of the power outage. Right, and it's over. Hey, Kevin, we screwed up. We'll be right home. Don't don't, don't do panic. anything crazy. We'll be home in a. We'll be home in a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. So many movies are solved with cell phones now. Gosh, so many classics it just never would happen. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. Good to know. I mean, think about uh, you know, uh, um, oh god, what is it? An affair to remember. Missed each other what? at the Empire State Building. Pick up a cell phone. Over. Yeah. Hey, we miss each other, but I'm here now. So come up, meet me. Nailed it. Well, two weeks after Tony was last seen, his parents announced that they were offering a $10,000 reward for information regarding his whereabouts. At this time, police admitted they had no leads in the case, and Anthony and Sandra were hoping that the reward announcement would bring in some new tips. His uncle Jerry noted, quote, The family is still holding out hope. It's been very hard. It's not like Anthony to leave without telling anybody where he's going. But weeks began to go by with no updates at all. And then weeks, unfortunately, turned into months. Hmm. And there was no progress on the case. Like, zero progress. Sometimes on these cases, you get like a little tip here and there. Nothing. Not a single word on where this could happen. By August, Tony's family was growing increasingly desperate for more information. Anthony and Sandra would then hire a private investigator to assist with their search for their son. There were a few tips that came in after hiring the investigator, but there was just simply no substantial leads. Mm-hmm. Detective Wagner from the police department acknowledged that the family was frustrated with the investigation, and he would tell reporters, quote, we have not given them their son. There's nothing short of giving them their son that the department can do that would satisfy the family. And that's real. That's fair. Right? Yeah. It's like, I don't, it's like, 
There's nothing you can do. Where's my son? Right. <laughs> That's what I need to know. Where's my son? Awful. Although, although investigators initially had a flood of tips uh, in Tony's case, after a few weeks, the phone calls just slowed down. Wagner admitted that they still had no idea what happened to him. He said, we're not any closer to knowing where Tony was today than we were on January 24th. The, the private investigators also came with little to no help. Um, they were running into the same walls that Wagner and his team were running into. So now we have two separate teams looking for this guy and all finding um, no, you know, answers. Um, since there was no evidence suggesting whether or not Tony had gone uh, missing by choice or there was, you know, foul play, Detective Wagner said he was at this time running two parallel investigations. One was based on the theory that Tony was alive and well and left voluntarily, and the other that he may have encountered foul play. He said, unfortunately, they, had, they were unable to uncover any evidence to back either of the theories up. Oh, great. <laughs> so there's no evidence that he leaves. There's no evidence that there's foul play. There's just nothing. Just a Schrodinger's cat of... <laughs> yeah. Tony's father, Anthony, would not entertain anything other than foul play. Mm-hmm. He literally, the minute, you know, when Wagner's saying, we're trying to figure out if there's any evidence to say that he left, mm-hmm. Anthony is like, you won't find any because he didn't leave. He wouldn't do that. Right. And that could be frustrating, especially when dealing with both a detective's agency and a private investigator trying to run both scenarios. Mm -hmm. You got to like, just kind of believe both of them for a minute, just to get all the evidence you can. But Anthony would not like concede. He consistently Mm -hmm. remained optimistic that Tony was alive. He told reporters quote, right now my mission is to find my son alive and well. I think someone he trusted and trapped him with some kind of scheme. He continued, it's never, 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 never over. I wake up at one in the morning, at three in the morning saying, is this a dream? I'm about ready to make a career out of finding out what happened. Mm. So it's tough. It's, it's really, really hard. But he's holding out hope. And not only is he holding out hope that he didn't just like walk away from his life, he's holding out hope that he's also, he's holding out hope that foul play happened technically, right? He's like, right. I don't want to believe he walked down his life. So I, I'm believing there was foul play, but I'm also holding hope that he's alive. That he's okay and that we'll get him back. I mean, it's just, it's, it's that tough. That is, yeah. I mean, a therapist. That's a tall needs, order, yeah. Yeah. Needs, yeah, I mean, a therapist would have like, their work cut out for them trying to like work through this trauma. Mm-hmm. As the first anniversary of Tony's disappearance approached, Detective Wagner told the reporters there had been absolutely no movement in the case. <sighs> in February 2002, Tony's parents appeared on the Montel Williams show. Oh, to discuss their son's disappearance. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the young people today don't realize how many <laughs> talk shows there were back in the day. And Montel Williams was a show that had a variety of people coming on, but every now and then they would have like a My Son is Missing case mm-hmm. and they would come on. Now this show was weird because <laughs> it wasn't just to discuss their son's disappearance. The show arranged, and this is very New York Missing Machine, the show oh, had arranged man. a psychic to do a reading for them. I could feel it coming as soon as you said that. Yeah. So the Montel Williams show brings the psychic in and does a reading for them. And they claim that Tony was dead and his body had been dumped into the river somewhere, which is just, oh, I don't th- know, you this, guys. Mm. I don't, I don't, I don't know how I feel about psychics. Mm-hmm. I, I truly don't. I don't 
necessarily not believe them. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily believe them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think there's a realm of the paranormal that I simply just don't understand. You know, when when we talk about mediums, I'm often very invested because, like, part of me wants to believe that that's very true. Mm -hmm. I also have doubts, but I think that's, you know, part of the journey of of being a believer in the paranormal is that you do have doubts. You believe, but you also have doubts, and that kind of balances out because if you believed everything, nothing would be paranormal. But if you have skepticism, then things are paranormal. The paranormal is, 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 you know... There's a reason why it's supernatural, right? Right. Supernatural. So you're a you're a half molder. You're you're a one Reyes on the scale. Yeah, I I, I after three after after two and a half years doing this pod with you, <laughs> I think that's where I've landed. I, I think, think you're I think you're I like th- a Reyes. I think I'm a Reyes. I think that there needs to be a healthy amount of skepticism in order for the supernatural to be in fact super. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Ooh, that's mm-hmm. good. Just pull that quote, someone. <laughs> When you're interviewing me, pull that quote. That's a good quote for Adam. It's like, Adam, you once said, there needs to be a healthy amount of skepticism for the supernatural to be, in fact, super. That's a good quote. Look at that. Look at that. I will say that I think that there is a big ethical problem with having a psychic on your show think someone that their son is. (laughs) I think there, there is a huge ethical problem in having a psychic on your show because of the fact that there is so much skepticism that's a really loaded thing to do to bring a mm-hmm. psychic onto your show and say, well, he's dead. He's in a river someplace. So just get over it. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Even with this reading, his father remained positive. He just didn't believe them. He, he really truly believed that there was someone out there who knew where Tony was or at least what happened to him. And this idea of him being dead and thrown into the river is bullshit. D- is there any like decision to drag the river based on this information like do the police or the the I think it's I think it's checked I think the river is checked so yeah we're talking about the Hudson River and I assume that police are 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 going through the Hudson but again the Hudson River we talk a lot we talk a lot about these bodies of water they are flowing out and down the Hudson River is flowing down through the Hudson Valley area through New York you know that's and out right. through the Atlantic Ocean on our end by the city. Right. If I, if I, and a year later, how far downstream are we talking that something could. Yeah. And even like the day of, I'm sure police are, are, are combing through the river. I mean, I don't know. That feels yeah. like it's something you would do. Right. In a police investigation. If they're, if they're saying that they looked everywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In October, 2002, Anthony, again, Tony's father, was a guest on the John Walsh show, another daytime mm-hmm. uh, 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 talk show where it was a variety of th- different things, but missing p- persons and stuff like that were also discussed. He discussed his son's case, and he said the family were now offering $50,000 in exchange for information. This brought in a flurry of tips, including several potential sightings of Tony, Hmm. One caller claimed that Tony was working as a taxi driver in White Plains. Um, another swore that the missing man could be found working at a cannery in Alaska. Okay. Detective Wagner did his due diligence and followed up on every single tip, um, but determined that each of them was a mistaken identity. And this happens so much in missing people's cases. You know, we don't get to often like see that, but so often when the price goes up, people start looking um, pretty 
substantially and try to find people because honestly they want to make the money and I don't right. blame them. Um, and everyone thinks that everyone is this person, you know, yeah. but they're, it's usually it's a mistaken identity. And you get a quick glance at someone and, you know, yeah, lots of people look, look like, like people. the person. And you have to say to yourself, for now looking at two years, mm-hmm. you know, we're in, we're in 2002. This is mm-hmm. almost three years now. We're about to hit 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at, I'm saying we're about, to, we're about to be on the third year. Um, you know, who knows what this person looks like two years after they go missing. Yeah. Two years after Tony was last seen, his parents continued to search for him daily. His mother noted that they had left his bedroom untouched in the hopes that he would return home soon to use it, which is really, really tough. Yeah, that is. Although investigators tried to assure the family that there was no evidence Tony had met with foul play, Sandy just knew her son wouldn't have abandoned his family. Um, she she said on a few occasions, quote, I just feel in my heart it was violence he would have called. As they prepared to mark the third anniversary of Tony's disappearance, his parents announced they were once again increasing the reward. They were now offering $100,000 to anyone who can lead them to their son. Wow. In this, uh, in this message of the upping of the upping of the reward, they said, "Quote: Somebody knows what happened to Tony. This wasn't an alien abduction." Side note: Maybe it was an alien abduction. Have we considered the possibility? Like, I want to let's talk about that later because that is something that is on my spirit. I want to talk about it with you. Let it be minute. known that my face changed when Adam said that. Adam yeah, so, quoted, and all of a sudden I went. Oh, <laughs> let's hold on to it. Let's let's talk about that when we discuss mm-hmm. theories by the end of the episode. Investigators admitted that despite following up on more than 200 potential leads after the hundred thousand um, dollar, you know, was was increased. They were no closer to determining what happened to Tony. Um, Detective Odell told reporters, quote, there's no concrete evidence either way. You can make a case that he's dead. You can make a case that he decided to run off. Um I sympathize with the family. It would tear me up if it were my son. Mm-hmm. Like Tony's parents, Detective Odell was certain that there was someone in the area who knew exactly what happened to the missing man. He said, it's a mystery, but someone can unravel it. If he's dead, someone killed him. If he ran, someone helped him. Tony left his wallet, which contained cash, in his car, and there had been no activity on his credit cards or bank account. If he's alive somewhere, he had to have had means of financially supporting himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Benson family held a candlelight vigil at Spratt Park on January 25th, 2004. Despite it being frigid, um, more than 60 people gathered to sing hymns and pray for Tony's safe return. His family hoped the vigil would raise awareness about the fact that Tony was missing. They made a public plea for anyone with information to come forward to speak with investigators. Um, so perhaps they can finally get some closure. At this point in the game, if he's dead, they just want to know. Mm-hmm. They just want to know. It's like, mm-hmm. is he not alive? Just tell us if he's not alive. Yeah. Anthony admitted to reporters that he had spoken to nearly a dozen psychics about his son's disappearance, and they all agreed that Tony was dead, which is a really interesting thing when we move to you know the paranormal, like a mm-hmm. lot of people do, right? It's like, there's no answers in this world, so maybe mm-hmm. answers in another. And you know, it's that thing where like, you got to believe the paranormal, not the power, or don't, or don't believe the paranormal. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If you're going to a one, two, three, four, five psychics, at one point, if you believe right. that a psychic can tell you the truth, you got to believe a psychic can tell you the truth. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's also part of this too. It's like you can't half believe. You got to full. It's like when I'm ke- when I, when I'm teaching my kids Oedipus. You know, <laughs> I'm always like, 
according to the rules of the of the play, you have to believe in the oracle and the gods. Because if mm-hmm. you don't, then the play doesn't work. Right. If you don't believe in the oracle and the power of the gods to to ter- talk about your predetermined destiny, it doesn't work. And it falls so, apart. The biggest problem in Oedipus is that the main characters half believe them. Mm-hmm. Like, I be- I, you know, Oedipus is like, I believe in the oracle enough to run away from home, but I don't believe in the oracle enough to tell me what I did already happened. Mm-hmm. It doesn't- mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I believe the oracle is telling me what I need to do, but if the oracle is telling me what to do, I can't escape my fate. The oracle is telling me my fate. Mm-hmm. You can't half believe it. You got to just kind of. So when you go to a dozen psychics, at one mm. point, you got to say, well, if I believe that the psychic is going to tell me the truth, I have to believe that one of 12 of these psychics know the truth. Right. That 12 can't get it wrong. <sighs> Each one of the psychics told Anthony some version of the same scenario. Mm. And this scenario is that Tony had been tricked into leaving his house that night, met up with someone who killed him, and then dumped his body into a body of water. Wow. None of them were able to pinpoint the exact location or give any other information on who the killer was. And I will That's say this. If you are a psychic, I think psychics have an extraordinary power and not like an extraordinary supernatural power. I mean, like... With there's great a, power comes great responsibility. There's a responsibility, right? Like, if I go to a psychic on the corner and say, tell me my future, and they tell me something, and it's mm-hmm. very low stakes, great. But the power that these psychics have in mm-hmm. talking to this like distraught father mm-hmm. is really important. And so I really, really hope that these psychics yeah. truly believe they're seeing mm-hmm. reality and messages. Mm-hmm. Because for someone to like fuck with yeah. this family like that, it would just be so terrible. Yeah. No, that would be unconscionable. In November 2004, Tony's family placed an ad in newspapers with his information um, also talking about the reward that was, you know, upgraded again. Um, Tony's sister, Lisa, noted, quote, there are so many people hurting since my brother went missing. I think we'd know more now if the media had taken an interest, but they don't seem to care. Mm. We have no closure, just an empty seat at the dinner table. Gosh. The family really believed that Tony's case had gotten little uh, media coverage because that Tony was a guy and that a lot of cases missing female people get more attention. Interesting. Um, their ad title, and I, I'll post this on stories um, and on our socials, the ad they posted in, in 2004 was, quote, would it matter to you if our son had been a daughter? So they got real angry about the yeah. lack of media. Friends and family continue to gather in Spratt Park each January um, to do a candlelight vigil on the anniversary of Tony's disappearance. In 2006, his father, Anthony, pleaded to the crowd to help them contact public officials concerning their son's case. Hmm. Um, He said that only in that way can something be done because it's not fair that when a guy goes missing, nothing is done to find him. Poughkeepsie Lieutenant Kent Linderholm told reporters that the department still received occasional leads about Tony. They followed up on each each and every single one. His dental records were kept on file and were checked against other identified, unidentified bodies that were found, but there were never any matches. Mm. Uh, Linderholm admitted that he was surprised that the offer of a $100,000 reward failed to bring in any credible tips. Hmm. Um, he said, quote, we're a small community. You'd think that someone would respond to this. Right. $100,000. That, yeah, that's, that's not a small amount of money. In the end, you know, Anthony continued to tell reporters that he hoped his son would be alive. Um, 
he was frustrated that he didn't receive that the case would continue to not receive enough publicity. Um, but there were just simply no leads. The media just didn't continue posting that there was no results. And, you know, the media cycle moves on even in a small community. Yeah. And as cases get older, they get harder to follow up. People change, people pass on. You forget forget. things. People just don't know. Mm -hmm. As years went by, it gets harder for the family. Um, And they're still holding out hope all these years later. It's now 2024. 23 years later, they're still trying to find who has any information on their son's missing. uh, And Tony would be 54, I guess, right? Yeah, he's 31 when he goes missing in 2001. Plus 23, 54, yeah. So he's about 54 years old. If you know any information, as always, we say to contact the authorities. Um, You know, I I think the reward is still in place. Um, If there's any information to to sense their family. Um, And do you have a theory? You know, if we're going to believe in the supernatural, aliens make a lot of sense in the Hudson Valley in 2001. Um, Ooh. Mm -hmm. Mm. We've combed through reports in and around the new millennium about aliens in the atmosphere. So if we're being, if we're opening our minds to everything, and this family talked to psychics, Mm -hmm. I will open my mind to the possibility that aliens in these Hudson Valley may have something to do with it as well. I mean, you're you're an alien person on the show. (laughs) Like you're the person. You do, you do I know. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to tick off all the the boxes in my brain. You know, there's a lot of talk about moving vehicles, right? Or, or that stop or act funny, and we have a car in this scenario. Um, we have the complete absence of any evidence for where else he could be. I think bodies of water, you know, tend to have stuff. Um, The timing is right. Like you're saying, Hudson Valley in the early 2000s, um, late 90s. I will say aliens usually don't page people in advance. Yeah. Yeah. The page thing, it throws a curveball. That throws the curveball. That throws the Um, curveball. And whether or not he's paged or not, like... His pre-plan to leave. He leaves by choice. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, I think the most likely is that he gets into someone else's car. Yeah. And that's that. And something happens. He forgets his wallet in his car. It falls out of his pocket. Whatever the case may be. Um, But he chooses to go into someone's car. Yeah. And that person could have drove anywhere. Right. I mean... That person could drive anywhere. That's why you know, there's no body. That's why there's mm-hmm. no clues. Because once you're in the car, you're in the car. And the psychics are saying a river, but there's no saying that it is the Hudson if they go driving, yeah. right? You can drive anywhere you want, right? And so the most logical thing, I believe, is that original, uh, the original thing that the detective says that yeah. we don't have proof, but it seems like he probably parked his car, got out of his car, went to someone else's car, and then that was the end of it. Ooh, tough what stuff. a story this is a, that is. Yeah, this was a, a tough one, but um, you know. Yeah. Though I do love know. the alien angle coming in because did not see that as a potential coming. 
Yeah, I mean, location for me did it. You know, mm-hmm. I saw it when they said jokingly he didn't get abducted by aliens. I was like, I don't know. I know. That's in my face. Way. I was like, oh. And you know, we we spoke about a lot of paranormal things occurring within um, important years of history. We talked about that on a episode of the Patreon exclusives. Mm-hmm. Um, we spoke about, um, I think it was like the Birdman. I forgot what episode it was on the on the Patreon exclusive episodes. If you if you're a patron. You can go listen to those on Spotify. If you're not Let a patron and you want to listen to it, <laughs> you head on over to patreon.com slash my mystery machine. And for a little less $5, you can listen to that episode. But there's a school of thought that there are par- paranormal creatures that appear in years of importance. And mm-hmm. 2001 was very important in, in both American world and New York history. Mm-hmm. We know what happened at the end of that year. So, you know, it's also worth noting, too. It's, it's worth, worth noting. noting that by the end of that year, a lot of people are missing. Mm-hmm. In New York, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's Sept- mm-hmm. September 11th, 2001 will happen, yeah. and a lot of focus will move away from other cases. Yeah, Absolutely. also important. It's also important to realize that September 11th threw a ginormous wrench in police investigations, and we know this from a lot of the other cases that we've covered. We've now covered a couple of cases happening in 2001, two of which were happening on September 11th itself, and had nothing to do with the towers. Yeah. Um, you know, we, 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 we covered one this past year and we covered one, uh, last season as well that had to happen in upstate New York, a missing persons case that happened on nine 11 that had nothing to do with the twin towers. So right. we know that September 11th threw a large wrench into finding missing people because resources became so limited because everyone was looking for somebody that yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. So. That's a good point. All right. Well, what a folks, case, Adam. it's a case. It's a doozy. Um, so we are back next week with another episode. Um, if you have any hopefully theories, recorded in the same place as each that's, other, that's the TBD. Dream. Um, if you have any thoughts on this case, we invite you to always reach out to us on social media at NY Mystery Machine on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok at NY Mysteries on X. You can email us nymysterymachine at gmail dot com. Um, we're working on uh, putting back up the merch site. It should be up by the time this comes out. Um, we just may not have that um, one design that I'm going to be figuring out and toying with if i owe you a sticker or you want to buy a sticker stickers are pretty cheap we i think we sell them for like three bucks something like that um just reach out to me nymysterymachine at gmail.com and we can get that all settled away they're fun little stickers we like them i posted the image on our socials and so if you're interested in that one we still have a few more of the pride ones and our general logo ones on uh, general logo um <laughs> be sure to email me we're back next week with an all-new episode of the new york mystery machine i've been adam mace i've been christina marinelli and thank you ever so much for taking a ride on the New York Mystery Machine. Terry Hall, but for ghosts. Ooh.